We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Brian, welcome. What's happening? What's going on this afternoon? Uh, not much. Yourself? Doing great. Doing great. Just trying to size up uh, how we're doing this midway point of the season. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it's kind of the NFC is fairly interesting. The AFC is kind of boring. But let me get to a team that's really coming apart at the seams. How about the Bears and their quarterback? Uh, what do you want to do there? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Job one for them going forward is between now and January, they got to make a tough decision. Is is indeed Mitchell Trubisky going to be their quarterback? I mean, he does okay. He's above sixty percent, two to one touchdown to interception ratio but when the heat's on when they throw the the game on his back he has not been able to deliver so you know he had been injured earlier but you're right that three and five right now the job one is both for Matt Nagy and for Mitchell Trubisky are these the guys come January that that question has to be answered well you know they came in they had some immediate success uh sort of the head coach had some immediate success now all of a sudden you know that city gets very tough when it starts to lose now they got now they're looking at each other and questioning everything about everything they're doing on offense yeah and that's that tends to be the way it goes you know Matt Nagy came in was going to be the quarterback whisperer to make all the difference for uh Mitchell Trubisky obviously was drafted when John Fox is there. They made that move, like so many teams. Okay, we're going to go get the the new quarterback whisper, and so far it hasn't turned out. So uh, I imagine Nagy is, is going to feel a little pressure as well as Mitchell Trubisky. You know, between now and the end of the season, they've got to a he's got to show steady improvement that he can D be that guy, and b hopefully by the end of the year maybe be that team that kind of gets hot. Uh, shows that at the end of the year they can make a little bit of a run, uh, although they end up with Dallas, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Minnesota. So it's going to be a challenge. Talking with Brian Billick, all right, you had a reputation for being a little bit of a quarterback whisperer yourself. So uh, with that being the case, what do you want to whisper to Sam Donald right now? Wow. it's You know, this one, and Mike, we've talked about this many times. One of the hardest things to do is to separate the play of the quarterback from what's going on around him. Is this Sam Darnold? Is this, you know, just like the Mitchell Trubisky, is this kind of symptomatic of what we're going to see? Or is it just, he's they're just not a very good football team. And that compounds the problem. But, you know, that, that whole draft that came out that year, um, I think we're kind of seeing they are who we thought they were to quote my mentor, Denny Green, uh, in, in Sam Darnold, it's, there were some questions coming out of SC. Yes, he had some definite talent, but he was surrounded by a very good team. There were some inconsistencies about his play, and we're kind of seeing the same thing. So, yeah, it's going to be quite a challenge for him to show. If nothing else, just show a little bit more consistency in what he's able to do, but he's having to do it with a really bad football team right now. Now, Daniel Jones has shown you some things you like, mobility. He's thrown the ball well when he's had time in the pocket. But he also has been a chronic fumbler uh, since training camp, a, tr- a chronic fumbler. And last week, even fumbling on a play where he didn't even get hit, uh, he's lost eight fumbles. He's had eight intercepts, eight fumbles. He's also done some very positive things. Uh, how would you work on ball security with him? 
Well, and the fumbling thing, I think it can be corrected from the standpoint. A lot of it's distressing the fundamentals in the pocket, the way you carry the ball, the way you protect the ball, uh, and also just in, in the off seat, just getting stronger. You know, and that, that's going to be a natural tincture of time as well. Uh, but of all the things that you've got to correct with a quarterback, that is probably one that is the most fixable in terms of some of the fundamental things that you do. And again, you don't, you know, it's not, you know, you don't want it to become a self-fulfilling prophecy that all you, if all you're talking about is the fumbles, then that's what he's going to do, fumble. But you can't ignore it either. Um, Niners are eight no. When do they believe they're eight no? When do they real? Uh, when are they as confident as their record? Uh, how? When does that catch up? When, when do they start to believe what that record indicates? Well, I think midway through the season, I think they do believe, but they they're about to be tested because particularly now they got Seattle on the road, they got at home Green Bay at home, but the real test for them, and and again they play Seattle. Uh, twice in the division, so this is nothing big for them. They recognize that they're, that's a good team. Certainly, they got to hold serve at home. The big ones for me are week thirteen. Yeah, the ball at Baltimore and New Orleans. Yep, that 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 double duo right there. If you can come out of that, even split it. God forbid if you should win both, then you're gonna you're gonna you're you're gonna be declaring you're the team to beat in the NFC. Yeah, I, I think the Saints. I thought. Even when uh, Bridgewater was playing, I thought the Saints were the best team in the NFC. I think they still are. Um, barring some injuries, I think they're the most complete team. But let's be honest, there's a lot of teams that are pretty good in the, in, in the uh, NFC. I think the Eagles are okay and they can still get better. I think the Packers. I think, obviously, you got Seattle. You got the Niners. You got the Rams. You got the Vikings. You got a lot of teams in the NFC. Yeah, and here's the interesting thing, and I think it applies to the AFC as well, is you do. You do have a lot of good teams. Just like in the AFC, you've got a lot of good teams. But in the AFC, New England, unless something dramatic happens, you look at their schedule, although it is getting a little tougher here this next month, if they end up with the number one seed, the question is, as good as Baltimore looks, Houston, Kansas City, can they indeed go through Foxborough? I don't know that New England's the best team in the AFC, but if, they, if they're at home through the playoffs uh, and to, for the AFC championship game, we know what that sto- how that story ends. Uh, but can they get there? I think in the NFC, it's the same way. If New Orleans can get the number one seed, let's say San Francisco, like we say, with the tougher schedule, uh, stumbles here a little bit. And New Orleans and San Francisco do play, obviously. If New Orleans gets home field advantage, that's the challenge for these other good teams, whether it be San Francisco, Green Bay, Dallas, Seattle, Minnesota. Can you go into New Orleans and win if that's where the NFC Championship game is? I like the way Kansas City's hung in the last couple of weeks without Mahomes. They've done a good job. They really have. They've played the, and they could have won that pack of game uh, if they didn't turn the ball over in the fourth quarter. They would played really well in that game. Came from, back from behind. Then they beat the Vikings. I mean, they've played well without their quarterback. Yeah, very impressive, particularly what they've done offensively. They still have issues defensively. Yep. When you look at that A at the top of that AFC, um, uh, the Ravens may be the most complete team. Offense, defense, run, pass. Obviously, New England, it just comes down to Brady. You can't just qualify that. Houston Texans are pretty solid. Kansas City, again, that defense, that's, that's the one thing that will concern me going forward, whether they can indeed go on the road like they may most likely are going to have to uh, to get these wins and end up in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think they're as good as they I, – I, I think they 
took a chance and they changed things, but I don't think they're as good as they were last year. I, I don't think they're as good even on defense as they were last year. At least last yeah, year they could Steve, rush the quarterback. This year they can't even rush the quarterback. Right. Steve Spagnola, who's a good defensive coach, and obviously, but his, his systems are based on getting pressure with just a four-man rush, and you're right, they're, they're not getting that. Yeah, and listen, last year, I know they thought they should have won, and they should have, but it didn't work out. I mean, they scored 30 points in the second half of a championship game, and they still lost. So, I mean, it, you know, they, they got a couple of bad breaks, and, and that was the difference. Yeah, and that's, and that's for Kansas City in particular, that's, that's, the, that's the hurdle they have to overcome because as good as they've been, whether, and you can go back to the Schottenheimer years, obviously with Andy Reid, it's, yeah, good team. We're going to go to the playoffs, but can you take that next step? And until they do – then they're constantly going to be, you know, scratching that itch about, well, what's the other thing we got to do now to get over this hump? You think Baltimore's for real? They are. If, if and it comes back to the same thing we've been saying all year long. If Lamar Jackson can stay healthy, and it's staggering to think that an NFL quarterback is going to run the ball on pace now for better than 240 carries and and finish an NFL season. If he does, the combination of what he does, the, the New England game was classic in that as they've done when they've won, they had the ball for 37 minutes. You know, they, they, the way they, they run the ball with, with uh, Ingram and, and, and Lamar Jackson and make enough plays in the passing game, they just gobble that clock up, so it puts a lot of pressure on some offenses. So, if again, if they can stay healthy, yeah, I think they're the most complete team. You know, if I we're talking with Brian Billick, uh, of course. You know, if I were an NFL head coach, I would have something to say to the league now about the fact that you guys put this rule in for us to challenge pass interference, and you guys refuse to overrule a pass interference play. So why are we even getting involved? You've had coaches already say that they don't even look at it anymore. They refuse to overturn these plays. So if they didn't want to put this rule in, why did they put it in the first place? I mean, it's not fair to the coaches to have this thing in there and then realize that fans want them to overturn or everyone wants them to overturn what they think is a bad call, and they will not change a call right now on the field. Yeah, but but the problem, and, and I was I'm very pessimistic about this rule coming in, but I, I got to tell you, I kind of like the way it's going because you say fans want it overturned. Well, which fans? If it's Dallas versus New York and it calls challenge, the ones in New York want it to go one way and the ones in Dallas want it to go another way. They didn't want it to come down to where the nit, nitty-picky, uh, non-conclusive, it depends on your point of view, what it, they've done is let the rule be so prohibitive that it has to be like that egregious penalty that we had in the New Orleans game last year in the playoffs, that one will be obvious, that will get corrected, and that's the only kind of play they want corrected. So from that standpoint, I'm kind of on the other side of it going, you know, because the fans are never going to be happy. They thought that this rule was going to correct every bad call. It's, that's not what it's going to do, but I think it will still remove the egregious call so we don't have a repeat of what we saw last year with L.A. and New Orleans. So, so you just want them to only overturn the call that is just outrageous. That's it. You don't want, them to, tu- you don't want them to touch anything else. No, because if we go down that path, that was my concern before. If we go down that other path and get to the point where it becomes too bogged down in the minutia, one, it's going to take too long, two, it, it just becomes too subjective at that point. I mean, they've got it going right now to where they're, they're in a position where they can correct the app. You know, when replay went in originally, and I was in the league when we originally went through this, 
that was that was with the selling point. We're, replay is there to remove the egregious error, the guy that steps out of bounds and scores, the ball bouncing in and called a catch. But it continued to evolve to where we got right. down into some minutia. Uh, I and, agree and with that. It was never meant. It was never meant for. It was never meant on where the ball should be spotted on, whether it's a measurement Correct. or not. That's not what it was Correct. for. I agree. So with that. this rule, if it stays to the heart of it, which is where it's there to remove the egregious error, so far I think it's holding up. Well, then you have to know as a coach that you're not going to get a call there. You might as well save your timeouts. You're not going to get it if it, unless it's you know it's that he knocked the guy over and they didn't call it like the New Orleans play, which was so blatant it's ridiculous. Then other, then you're not then you got to put the thing in your pocket and not call it and, yeah, and not and not, and not challenge it. You, you've you've lay, raised the level of accountability in terms of what it is you really want to challenge, and the guys up in the booth, you know, I, and I've lived through that enough where guys, oh, challenge it, challenge it, he caught it, and then you look up, uh, you challenge it, and you look up on the screen, and the thing bounced in twice because the guys up in the booth are reacting emotionally. You, you you better put your big boy pants on and be very calculated about no, this was egregious, this will be overturned, and that bar is very high. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, what team? With what team do you think that you could see showing the most improvement? Like, is there a team you think could show a lot of improvement from here to the end of the season and become a contender, or do you think we have all the teams lined up now? Well, you, you know that second group. You know, you, you look at the playoff picture right now, and and top to bottom, they're pretty solid teams. Indianapolis has to be the biggest surprise for anybody. I know Houston now is in the top position in the AFC South, but what they've been able to do and hold it together after the loss of Andrew Luck, um, they've shown that they're a good, solid team. For so for them to stay there and hold off the Steelers and the Raiders and the Jaguars, who are breathing down their neck for that fifth or sixth playoff spot in the wild card um, is not, not to say that they can't overcome Houston. Houston's got a pretty tough schedule coming down the way, but I think Indianapolis is the most intriguing in terms of the fact that they're there. I don't think, I don't know how long they go into the playoffs. Um, I think the Raiders are an interesting team. I think offensively, I did a bit on playbook this week. Uh, they've really become a pretty solid offense with a big physical group of tight ends. Joseph's a good running back. Their car's having a spectacular year. So they're ones that are kind of in that second tier trying to find their way. I don't think they're going to catch Kansas City, but they could find their way into that playoff hunt a little bit. And, and of course, uh, I, you know, the, I, you can't dismiss the Eagles at this point. I think I the Eagles are going to have a good finish. They First of all, their yeah. last five games, are, they have four very easy games and one Dallas game at home. I think they're going to win their last five games and go into the playoffs with a lot of, a lot of momentum. Yeah, and they got the pedigree, and they're going to feel good about it that way. And and uh, and I, I don't think we can discount the Rams, you know, coming back and 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 clawing their way back into it again. I I just you know I don't know that they can catch San Francisco, but they could certainly challenge. Although with Seattle and Minnesota and the way they're going forward, if indeed it, it holds form to that, or Green Bay and if Green Bay and Minnesota, you know, back and forth with one another, um, it may be hard to crack that five and six spot to pull Seattle and uh, the Vikings out of that spot. Listen, thanks very much. Enjoy the enjoy the weekend. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You too, Mike. Thanks, Brian. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.